Hello and welcome back to Untitled Soccer Talk. I'm your host Josh with my co-host Craig uh, doing a live episode in the studio. No COVID regulations. First time ever. First time ever. Uh, Something special. Um, On this week's episode, we're going to have our first thoughts as always, uh, some Olympic updates with our men's and women competitions in full swing. You have the Gold Cup down to those quarterfinals heating up, uh, transfer news, lock of the week. Um, So let's just get started here with first thoughts. Uh, I just kind of wanted to start with where West Ham is at. West Ham, if you don't know, is my team. It's the team I live and die with. Uh, we had a great year this year. We have European football, which is amazing. You don't, you know, you don't get that. Um, it feels like maybe once every, you know, thirty years with West Ham the way it's going. Um, but it, it's great to have it. But I'm worried. Uh, the transfer. No, we haven't brought anyone in. We haven't brought a single person in yet. Uh, we're selling. Uh, we're making tiny moves. We need to start splashing the cash. We have shrunken the squad. We've got rid of some of the dead wood on this roster. But the problem with West Ham now is we're not making any progress. We're not making any moves. We're not going for it, which is frustrating um, because I don't see how we are successful next year unless we strengthen the squad. Just getting those doesn't have to be stars, but just getting pieces around our players, getting that depth. Or it's going to be a long year because you have now you have extra games. You at least have the extra six games in the Europa League um, that we're adding to the schedule, very condensed schedule, uh, and you are shrinking the squad, which in my mind is throwing up red flags. Uh, and I could see West Ham really struggling unless they start making some moves soon. Hmm, I don't even know if I really have first thoughts. I mean, I. It is nice that uh, Everton. It's they're making moves. Not gonna have as big of a transfer window this year as they did last or this year as they did last year, um, because you know we're not gonna get a Hamas or any get a Decore, Allen, anything like that. But on the bright side, Jordan Fick, Jordan Pickford seemed like a brand new player in the Euro, so hopefully he doesn't revert back to his old ways. Um, did. Signed Begovic as a backup to kind of put some pressure on Pickford and also as like a veteran to help coach him up a little bit. So hopefully that will help. Um, and then Andrews Townsend coming in, I think is going to be huge to kind of help uh, Luca Digne out on the wing, give another good outside back, outside midfielder to kind of give some, some depth there. Um, and then, you know, Rafa Benitez is a fantastic coach. So I'm hoping, you know, they'll be able to maybe bring in another player or something like that and, help uh give him you know recipe for success kind of thing as far as 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 of now Hamas is still there so that's good I definitely thought he was gonna be gone um and well I don't know Charleston just scored like five goals for the Brazil in the Olympics so I'm not sure what's going on there because he <laughs> actually sucks and it was terrible to Copa America well he's not playing anyone <laughs> he's that's in the true Olympics. that's true he's the only one that's like over 23 but yeah It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think the transfer is really going to start heating up here pretty soon. Yeah. I think, yeah, it has to. It's kind of been slow, and I feel like a lot of people expected it to be slow at this point. Um, you have a lot of competitions that have gone on this summer, so a lot of players have been not, you know, not home or, you know, not near their agent getting stuff done. You know, you have the goal, you know, you had the Euro, the Copa, the Gold Cup. 
you know, the Olympics. So a lot of players have been having a very busy summer. So it's kind of slowed down the process. Also add on COVID all last year. Not a lot of teams have that crazy extra cash on them, um, which is it's interesting because you have all these teams that are struggling financially, but then there's not really that many teams that are willing to go out and, you know, basically buy these players. So it's kind of like a standstill um, of these guys trying to sell off guys because they uh, their club's in trouble. And then you have teams that are, like, not willing to spend. Um, so it's kind of a weird uh, standstill kind of going on in the global game. I mean, there's been small moves. Um, a lot of teams are kind of just adding a little bit of depth and kind of just, like, looking for a more long-term um, solution, which makes sense. Um, we'll see if any of those big dominoes kind of fall. We'll talk a little bit more about in the transfer part of uh, the podcast. But uh, it's quite interesting to see what is going on and how the rest of uh, this summer's transfer market so is going to shape out. So far, the most exciting part of the offseason has been all the jersey releases. There's some absolute fire jerseys out there. But other than that, there's been a whole lot going on. Yeah, I mean, the jersey releases are always interesting to me. Next week we should do, or next episode we should do a power rankings of the jerseys that are released for this year. I'm down. I'm actually down for that. We can do that next week. We will rank jerseys and see how it goes. Um, I guess we can move on to the Olympics. We didn't have a show last week. Um, Me being out of town and kind of off. Uh, on my own adventure, uh, I did actually get to check out a um, MLS game while out of town. I got to see uh, Real Salt Lake. Um, they have a beautiful little stadium uh, up in the mountains. Uh, it was actually quite fun to watch. They played LA Galaxy. Uh, it was very exciting. I think it was ended up two-two final, um, but quite exciting. It was my first time going to a MLS game this season. Uh, it felt good to go back. Uh, considering with COVID and stuff, I haven't been able to catch a game in a couple of years, it feels like. And then we went to the FC Dallas LA Galaxy game last night. That was pretty fun. Um, LA Galaxy looked terrible. But FC Dallas absolutely obliterated yeah, the, young, the Galaxy. Young talent, FC Dallas, Ricardo Pepe with the hat trick. Youngest player in MLS history to square a hat trick, which I thought was surprising because he's 18. There's definitely been younger players to have. Well, I mean, there's a difference between, I mean, 18 and scoring hat-tricks pretty impressive. I mean, you're talking yeah. about three goals. I mean, when you're 16, 17, it's like everyone gets excited, like, oh, he just scored a goal. Unless you're, like, early 2000s and it's uh, Freddie Adu, who's 14 out there scoring goals. Yeah. But, I mean, to score three in one game, you got first off, you got to get a little lucky. You just got to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, it's very rare, especially at that young age to where you – like produce your all three of your goals, you know, you got to kind of yeah. be in the right time, uh, be in the right spot at the right time sometimes. But you got to give the kid credit. He put the ball in the back of the net, oh, helped sure. him get to a win, 4 nothing. Absolutely bitterly the LA Galaxy, who looked like they had yeah. no part of that game. They literally, I almost say like, I'll say the 62nd minute, LA just shut down and said, they basically said, we're going to see this game out. Uh, we're going to play smart and just every no one really wanted to take advantage like L- FC Dallas was still attacking LA Galaxy looked like they were the team that was up 3 nothing and just trying to see it out yeah. uh, really terrible performance by them <sighs> probably not really an indicator of what this where the season is going yeah. for LA um, they have a, a couple injuries you have guys who are still in the gold cup um, they're going to get their team back and I still think they're going to be a contender out west I don't know if they're going to be able to be better than Seattle. I think Seattle's still t- the team to beat in the West, um, but it should be interesting. 
um, when they kind of get their full squad, what they can do. I love their coach. Um, I think he can uh, bring them a lot of success. Maybe not this year, but in the future. In the reverse for FC Dallas, they're absolutely terrible this year, but their team is so young, and a lot of their young guys look really good, so it's a good sign for them um, for the future. Um, though this tends to happen pretty often where they have good young players and just send them all off to Europe. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think with FC Dallas, the problem's going to be they're going to sell a lot of those guys. It's just the way it is in the MLS right now. It's just a, it's it's turning into a feeder league, which if you're a U.S. fan, men's national team fan, is a great thing because our young talents are now getting shipped off overseas and are getting chances to play at a higher level, which is good. I think when we talk about the failure of the 2018 qualification, we need to realize in that like 2014 to 2016 range, a lot of our MLS, a lot of our national team guys came back from Europe. Uh, Bradley came back. Michael Bradley came back. Uh, Clint Dempsey came back to the MLS. A lot. Tim Howard came back, and some of it was due was due to age. But a lot of our stars went from Europe back to the U.S., and I think that brought us down. And I think that was one of the reasons why we struggled. The competition came down, and I know Concacaf's not the most competitive uh, of the confederations, but just playing at that higher level, playing with better players from around the world, is just going to help you when it comes to this moment when you're in that high pressure situation. I mean, we had two guys this year in the Champions League final. You know, we're not talking about two guys in the MLS Cup final. We're talking about two guys in the Champions League final. So we're finally getting those guys in those high-pressure situations. So hopefully we can use that to move forward. It sucks for the MLS because you're not getting those top talents to stay, yeah. and it's hurting the game. But in the end of the day, it's generating money for the MLS. And if they're generating money, they're able to get those second-tier players and slowly build the uh, quality of soccer up, which right. is what you want. You want to authentically build it up. You don't want to do... Um, what they used to, what they did in the '80s and '70s, um, where they just bought a bunch of old players. They did it in the early or the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, bought a bunch of old players to try to get people interested. It doesn't work that way. You got to slowly build up the league because then you have these old stars and then not much else. And at the end of the day, people don't care to see that. Um, I guess move on to what's going on in the Olympics. We'll talk about the men's Olympics tournament. You have, uh, I guess we'll just go through it. There's three groups, uh, or four groups on the men's side. So group A, uh, this is also U23's competition. You have Japan and Mexico, um, Japan, Mexico, France, and South Africa. Uh, the I guess the big thing was France just got absolutely obliterated by Mexico in the first game. I think it was 4-1, uh, which was surprisingly shocking. Um Man at the top of the group is very strange. Well, I think when you go in the, like, being the host, I know there's no fans, but being the, I think that helps the host a little bit too. Because A, it takes a little bit of pressure off of them. And B, Japan's going to really want it because they're at home. Like, they, they got the home cooking. They're not sleeping on cardboard beds. For sure, <laughs> for sure. But, like, they're being France and Mexico, which is, you would not expect that. It's still pretty tight, so anything could happen, but. Um, I don't know. And it's very strange. I know it's like a U23 tournament and you're allowed to have like a couple players that are older, over 23, but like Mexico brought Ochoa. It's like this man's been over 23 for like 10 years. Uh, yeah, you get one. It's like what? You get one like veteran player? I think you get like one guy over 23. Like you can get one vet. 
Maybe two. I don't remember. I, I don't Ochoa. remember. I mean, I guess that's... I mean, if you get... I think Ochoa makes sense. If you're going to bring a guy, you get a goalie. Yeah. You get sure hands back there if you don't have a good... I don't know what their, you know, their U23 goalie situation is like. But if you get a good, solid goalie that can be a leader, uh, and you know he's going to play every game, and you don't have to worry about subbing him off. So you get a guy you know he's going to play every single minute, be a leader from the back, and hopefully help you not concede goals. I mean, they've still given up three so far. Um, but they did lose to Japan. So, but it should be interesting. Japan plays France next. So yeah. that should be an interesting game. And France has to win. Because yeah, I be, think Mexico is going to beat South Africa. It'll shake out be really interesting if France if France beats Japan. It'll be very interesting to see what it comes down to with the goal differential and whatnot. Yeah. Then in the Group B, which is kind of funny, though it's shaped up. You got South Korea, Honduras, New Zealand, and Romania, and they all have three points. They've been all beating up on each other. Um, I have no idea who's going to win this group. I I couldn't even tell you. I would just say, I guess, go South Korea because they got a three-goal differential. Um, I don't think it really matters who wins this group because I don't think anyone in this group wins the tournament. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Is it the top team from each group gets through? Top two. two. I think they go to round of eight. So, yeah, there's 16, and then they go to round of eight, yeah. Then you have Spain, who looks like they have hostages. If you look at the pictures online, God, I... Get, why, why do they bring guys straight from the Euro straight to the Olympics? That makes no sense to All me. Right, Pedri's out of his mind. Like, and it wasn't like the fact that like, I could understand if it was like you take a guy who, let's say, was your number 22 or 23 on their roster in the Euro, didn't play much, and it's like, hey, here's the experience of the big tournament. Now go have fun and go play. Pedri was their best player. But he played the whole tournament in the Euro, and then now you have him playing – in the Olympics, like that's just crazy to me to think of. The dude's I mean, gonna literally burn out. He could have said no, I think. I mean, he could have, but are you really? I mean, I don't know if he feels like he's in a place where he can say no. Like he's 18 years old. Like I feel like he has a lot of pressure to say yes. He's starting at Barcelona. I'm pretty sure he can do whatever he wants. I mean, but yeah, no, I agree. It's crazy to think of those guys that are just. I mean, just like, yeah, just like the Olympics basketball just. Three guys who just played in the finals and literally hopped on a plane like two days later to go play and go play in Japan. It's just wild how compact everything is and how much these guys play. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Spain has four points. Australia and Argentina have three, and Egypt has one. Um, I mean, all I can really say in this group is Spain's going to be tough to beat. Um, it was weird that they tied Egypt, though. So, uh, 0-0, Egypt played a great game, just defended for their life, and got the job done. We'll see how the rest of the group shakes out, though. Is Spain-Argentina the next game? I believe so. I think it's Spain-Argentina. I could be wrong. Yeah, Spain-Argentina. Argentina Argentina lost to Australia? Yeah. Interesting. No. Yeah. I'll show you... Yeah, they beat Yeah, Argentina. they did. Oh, wow. Because that's how they both have three. That's right. Oh, interesting. That Spain-Argentina game will be good. All right, next one we have up is Group D. You have Brazil with four points, Ivory Coast with four points, Germany with three, and Saudi Arabia just having fun being here uh, with zero. I am interested to see how this last game goes. Uh... 
Brazil, in my opinion, is probably the team to beat, I think. I think they have a lot of talent. I think they can score a lot of goals. Should be interesting. We'll go for it. Ivory Coast has played well. Uh, that Ivory Coast-Germany game should be interesting. We'll see who gets the uh, the win or the tie uh, and moves on. It's really interesting looking at these results, and you see, like, Brazil beats Germany 4-2 and then draws Ivory Coast 0-0, and, like, you have to remind yourself that it's U23, so, like, a lot of the players probably you don't know at all, but, like, just looking at it being like, oh, somehow Brazil played way better against Germany than they did against Ivory Coast. Like, that doesn't make any sense. So it's always just funny looking at that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's just, it's a different game, and you got, got you don't really – and the dynamics are different too. You're talking about a lot of these situations where these are young young kids or young you know young men who aren't really – really haven't been in situations like this been on the global stage or a lot of these guys are some of them are just break, finally breaking oh, yeah. in uh, to their club teams so it is an interesting dynamic and then like who came who didn't come you know because when you get to this level the you know your best players even if they are 22 21 they're not going to come so it's like who who could you get to say yes who said no who's actually here at this U23 tournament um, really shakes it up because for all you know, I you know Ivory Coast could bring their best twenty three players in their country yeah. that are at U twenty three level, while Germany might be bringing their C team or you know D team. So it's a weird dynamic. It's really weird. It's why it's it's hard for me to get into Olympic soccer. Um, a, it's basically like watching you know the JV squad roll out there, and B, half the time it's not even the true JV squad. You're, you're playing like the freshman team. You don't really get to see the true talent, which kind of sucks. I mean, there are stars in the tournament, uh, but it's just not the same. Is it like? Does it start with like when you're twenty? You have to be twenty three when like qualification starts. Yes, it's okay. twenty three when qualification starts. So this year it's a little weird because oh yeah, uh, I believe it's twenty three when the qualification starts, and because they started qualifying two years ago, there's probably a lot of older guys in it. Um, yeah, because I was like, I was like, well, Charles was twenty four. Like, how is he in it? But now that makes sense. Yeah. So, and I heard Bruce Austin like begged, like begged to get taken to the Olympics. Yeah, because he sucks. Like he's like, I, I want to go. They weren't gonna take him. And he like begged, to, begged to be added to the roster. It's like his one chance to do something for his country because every every other international tournament, he's just gonna be too bad. So that is the men's Olympic thing. We'll see how uh, it progresses as we kind of move on. On to the women. Argentina has another Claudio Bravo, but he's not a goalie. He's like a 24-year-old field player. Huh. His name? Oh, I guess Claudio Bravo is at Chile. Never mind. I'm stupid. Yeah, but, I mean, same name, I guess. Uh, you have, in the women's game, they have 12 teams, not 16. Uh, you have Group E. I guess they just decided to not make it simple and just do a group A, B, and C. They just wanted to keep going. Group E, you have Great Britain. So that squad's kind of interesting because you're combining, you know, great. You're combining England, Scotland, Wales. Is there another one? Northern no Northern Ireland's not in it. They're no. their own country. Yeah, it's just England, Scotland, Wales. Oh, yeah. and Ireland. No, no Northern no. Ireland is part of Great Britain. No, Northern Ireland. Ireland, Ireland Ireland's is not. Country. Yeah, so. They have the combined squad, which is always interesting um, to see the level because they try to. I I don't know exactly how they did the roster composition. I know when they did it in 2012 um, on the men's side, they tried to even it out as much as possible, like take four from each. 
Um, so I don't know how they did it this time. I haven't really followed the roster that closely. Um, but they're looking good. They have six points. Great Britain's playing well. I think they are a team to fear. I think they can get the job done. Um, they have some really good players. They haven't given up a goal yet, so they're playing just like the men did in the Euro, playing great defensively, scoring the goals they need to, winning games. Uh, also in that group you have Canada, which Canada is a power in the women's game. Uh, and then Japan's actually kind of struggled, but Japan does get Chile in their next game, the weakest team by far. Uh, so they should be able to win, bounce back. and um, Could get interesting if Canada loses to Great Britain. It could get interesting, but not really, because the top two three-place teams will also advance. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they take eight, so only, yeah. So it, that's definitely a group of death, though, because you look at like the teams who have been in the running for the past four, past two, three Olympics. It's Canada, Great Britain, Japan have like all been up there with Sweden and the. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Japan won a world title, a FIFA World Cup, uh, in the last ten years. Great Britain made the final four um, and lost to the defending or lost to the defending champion U.S. in the semis. And Canada's always been a top eight team in the world. So it's a really, really good group with exciting. And then there's Chile. Um, but it's been really exciting, and we'll see how it moves forward. Uh, the Group F, you have Netherlands uh, with four points. They have 13 goals scored to them in one game. Oh, I did uh, see that, yeah. They've also given up six, so they are leaking goals in the back. Um, Poor Zambia. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brazil has four points uh, with eight, four, and three against. China has one, and Zambia has one. Which they <laughs> Zambia has seven goals, four, 14 against. How did, uh, China, China must be terrible if they drew Zambia. China is not as. China, yeah, China's kind of fallen off uh, in the women's game. They're not as good as they used to be. But, but yeah, it, it's been lots of goals in Group F. I guess if you like goals, it's been exciting. Um, not a lot of good goals, though. Uh, did you see that first goal no. that the Netherlands scored? So, literally, it was a ball. I don't remember if it was a ball played back or a bat through ball. But the, I think it was a ball played back because the goalie comes out out of the box. Um, and, like, I guess was going for a header and whiffed and missed the header. And then the Netherlands girl just basically gets to dribble and then shoot an nice. easy tap in. Yeah, it was it was not very, very it was not very good. It was it looked like you know youth soccer. It was not a, it was not a good moment. That's um, yeah, Marta and Brazil are trying to go for glory. Finally get a, a win. We'll see if they can get her her opportunity. I think this is probably her last tournament. Yeah, her and. Formiga or whatever her name is. She's isn't she forty three? Yeah, they're so old. Yeah, I mean, they're both really good players. Um, I remember the emotional World Cup loss when they lost in the World Cup, and you know she was basically begging the Brazil Federation to give support and help get girls to come up behind them. Um, they've kind of been on their own. They haven't really been funded that well. Um, and it's kind of shown they have they keep bringing old squads and it seems like they just get older and older. They're not really getting that next generation behind them, uh, which sucks because they've been a really really good um, women's team for a long time. They've never been able to get the job done, 
Um, but they've always been a top 10 team in the world. Yeah. It sucks for her because she's been, like, the best women's player in the world for the last, like, probably five, ten years. Yeah, I mean, the one I think of is, I mean, they got that one, was it 2011? Maybe 2007, I don't remember, or maybe 2015. 2011 or 2015, I think it was 2011, Brazil was up on the U.S. and the U.S. had to come back. And I mean, so they've had opportunities, they've gotten a little unlucky. I think that because I think it was Brazil that Abby Wombat hit the 120 minute goal oh, yeah. to knock them out. So, I mean, they've been there on the cusp, and I'm sure if she doesn't hit that, I mean, Brazil's in the final. Yeah. So, I mean, they've gotten a little unlucky through the years. Uh, you have Group G, the last group in the um, Women's Olympics. You have Sweden uh, with six points, absolutely dominating right now. They beat the U.S. three to nothing, and then went out and beat Australia, Australia four to two. So looking really, really good. Probably, if you're going off how they're playing, probably the team to beat. Um, anytime you destroy the world champion like that, you got to become the favorite. Uh, you have the United States was sitting on three points. They will be fine after absolutely obliterating uh, New Zealand, who's just kind of here for fun. Um, and then you have Australia sitting on three points. This is big. That Australia-United States game is huge um, because it's going to set up how that knockout round looks. You know, it's going to set up the matchup that the U.S. will get, which I am intrigued to see who they get. I don't know. Let me see the bracket. Let's see if I don't have the bracket. What? Let's see. Is there a bracket? Yeah, Jenna. Go up. Uh, qu- quarters. Okay, so group. Runner up. There's runner so we're up. group F. Yeah. So we have the two runners. So they would play Brazil? If they, were, if they were both runner-up, which yeah. Brazil's going to be runner-up. Yeah, so they could probably play Brazil. Or they be? could play the winner of Group E, which would Just be the Netherlands. Netherlands. So that's a big game for Austria because you, you do not want to go against the Netherlands. You want to get Brazil. Yeah. Which sounds weird. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, you want you want to get the Netherlands, you, do, you don't want to get... Or you want to play Brazil, you don't want to get the Netherlands, you want to get past the Netherlands just because they can score. Um, yeah, you definitely do not want to play the win. Yeah, you definitely want to get second place. You don't have to play the winner of Group E or the winner of Group F because you don't want to play Great Britain, Canada, uh, Japan, whoever that is. I guess it's probably going to be Great Britain. Yeah. You don't want to play them. You really don't want to play the Netherlands. Yeah, no, exactly. And... It's kind of interesting. So if they get second in that group, their path is looking like it's going to be – if they get second in the group, it would be you get your first game against Brazil. The second game would be against Sweden. So they get a rematch of Sweden in the semis, which would be very intriguing, really good for media, really good for headlines to see if they can get the job done. And if they lose to Australia, then they would get third and they would play – Netherlands, then Great Britain would be their path to the final. So, really intriguing stuff. I wonder if they can get the job done. I 
don't know if this national team, women's national team, actually has a chance to win at the gold. I think they're probably looking at a silver bronze uh, this time out. It's crazy that they're still that they're starting Carly Lloyd. Like to the last tournament, she didn't play very many minutes. Like well, I guess that would have been the World Cup. She didn't play a ton of minutes. She just kind of came in off the bench and did her job. But now she's like starting, and they benched Alex Morgan. At least they did for the last game. I mean, they. I think with Carly Lloyd, they figured out how to use her now. I mean, remember she started her career as a midfielder, and then as she's gotten older, she you know she slowed down, which is you know it's natural. As you get older, you're going to slow down. You're going to lose a step, and they've sl- they've set her up the field to the nine role, which has been perfect for her uh, in this team. But yeah, you don't need to be having a 38-year-old. I believe she's 38. Starting at the nine for you in a big world competition, like I'm sorry, you gotta find you're the U.S. You have loads of talent. I think they're relying too much on the past generation right now, and they need to start moving into the, the younger generation, letting the the younger players take over this squad. That's what I think you should use for the Olympics. I know you want to go out and win the gold, but if you want to get prepared for the next World Cup, guess what? Half these half these players are getting out of their prime. Yeah, I don't really know why Mal Pugh's not on the team either. I don't know if she's hurt or what. But she's like one of those young players you're mentioning, and I don't know why she's not on the squad. And um, Becky Sauerbrunn isn't on the squad either. I don't. Again, I don't know what the injury situation is like for these girls, but it just seems very strange that there's some of your younger players that are actually good and they're just not there. Yeah, and then yeah, like you said, Alex Morgan wasn't sorry. I think Alex Morgan. Is a good player, but I believe she's overrated in a lot of the comparisons she oh, gets. 100%. I just thought she it was is weird one of those not play- starting Carly I mean, she's one of those players that really feasts on weaker teams. Like, she dominates the weaker teams just because she has so much talent around her and she's denied. And she really struggles against high level competition. I mean, I remember she, I think she won the Golden Boot at the last tournament. And the only reason she won is because she had five golds against that team they beat 13 to nothing, which was. Thailand? I think they played Thailand yeah, in the right. So, she really feasts on those weaker teams, grabbing those goals, and doesn't show up in the big moments. That's just my take. I think she's overrated. Um, she's not the, ever going to be considered the GOAT of, you know, U.S. women's soccer. She should never even be close. She just gets a lot of cheap, easy goals. Well, what are you looking up there? I'm trying to see... The roster? Yeah. Mal Pugh is not even on there. Oh, Be- Becky Sauerbrunn is on there. Yeah. One of them U.S.'s is on it, but not the is other Is Ertz one. on there? Yeah. yeah. Her and... Yeah. Rose Lavelle's on there. That's good. But, yeah. Uh, only one of them U.S. is on there. And then... I don't really know. Christian Press. Yeah. I don't know. I don't... I just... Maybe Mal Pugh has fallen off. I'm not quite sure, but I remember she was supposed to be like the next big thing. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Look it up. I, it's so tough to make the women's team here in the U.S. There's so much talent. Yeah, but she was on for the World Cup, and she was like 18. So like, I don't know why she wouldn't be on the team now. I mean, there's 23 spots, so you know, it's easy to get left off. I think there's less spots in the Olympics. Like. I'm, this team is so old. They have one girl who's 22 and everybody else is like 25 or older. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, so ages, you have 33 
goalie 33, the backup goalie 30. Um, you know, your defense, you're looking at your defense. I think he's already 36. What you have 36, uh, 32. Yeah, they're just 29. 29. 28, yeah. I mean, they just got an old squad. I feel like you should have some younger players mixed in. Uh, Julie Ertz, 29. Uh, Christian Muse, 30. It's just, I mean, Kristen Press, 32. Alex Morgan, 32. Megan Rapino 36. Carly Lloyd, 39. Toby Heath, 33. I mean, your attacking options are all in their 30s. I think we need to get a younger core in there. You got to go young. You got to try something out. You got to give some people some options, and, and you got to go for it. Oh, uh, Mallory Pugh. Yeah, she has. I don't know why she has sixty three caps for him. That's what I'm saying. She's literally twenty three. I don't know why she's not playing in the Olympics. I don't know. Let's look it up. I, I honestly have no idea why she's not in there. Oh, I think she's. She was injured for most of the NWSL season. Uh, so I guess she was hurt with like through qualifying and everything. Oh, J.J. Watt's wife has three caps for the U.S. national team. She's so bad. So bad. Yeah. J.J. Watt's wife. Three and ca- then Keelan Watt. T.J. Watt also married a soccer player. Oh, yeah, I saw that. All right, so that's, I guess, our uh, Olympic kind of talk. Really, um, really great stuff. High-end quality, the best it gets. Um, we'll pick it back up next week and see where uh, the competition's going um, and who can get the gold. I guess, well, actually, before we move on, who's your prediction to get gold? Netherlands. Netherlands? I'm taking Great Britain. I think it's coming home for the women. That's fair. Um, <laughs> gold Cup round of eight talk. So the Gold Cup is now finally in the quarterfinals. It is finally moving into kind of the important latter stages of the tournament. It's finally real for the U.S. and Mexico. They finally get to play some of the bigger boys in CONCACAF. Uh, and it's time for that exciting soccer. All the tiny uh, non-powers are out. And now the real competition begins. Um, the first game, which I saw probably a half of in a restaurant, was Guitar versus El Salvador. Um, it was interesting in the fact that uh, Guitar came out, scored two goals in the first ten minutes. El Salvador looked like they were done for. Um, just got blitzed early. Then gave up a penalty. In the 55th minute, we're down 3 nothing. You're like, it's over. There's no way. There's not enough time. And then they turned it on for a three-minute span. They scored two goals, made it 3-2, made it exciting, uh, really put the pressure on Qatar, outplayed them. I think you know, they had five shots on target. Qatar only had five shots on target. Uh, they outpossessed them. They had more passing. They looked good and they just fell a little short um they let you know the blitz in the beginning of the game um really hurt they just have like 10 minute laps in the beginning of the game uh, and it 
was enough to send El Salvador home. Which is surprising. I was I obviously at the El Salvador Mexico game and El Salvador looked really really good. So I thought maybe they would have a chance to you know kind of make a run as a dark horse. Definitely did not think they were going to get up. They were going to get beat by Qatar, Qatar, however you say it. Um, so this that was that was pretty interesting. I definitely would have picked El Salvador, but um, I guess that's that's soccer. You can dominate the whole game and still lose by a goal. It just happens. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I had I had Qatar going far in this tournament just, just off of what they've done recently. Um, I've been watching a couple of videos on it, kind of really seeing going into the World Cup. Like, how are they going to compete? Um, well, they have money, and they've really invested that money. They've started an academy, which a lot of these players have now come up in when they got the World Cup, uh, I think 10, 10, 12 years ago or whatever, when it was confirmed that they were going to get it. Um, they put the resources in there. They have one of the best academies. They have a big tournament every year where they get all the big-time clubs to come out to Qatar, play in it, play against their team. So they've seen what it takes. Uh, they put in the money. They put in the resources. So a lot of these guys have come from that. They're the only team, um, probably the only team, maybe there's a few smaller nations, the only team that I know of that plays at a higher level that has all their players from one country. Um, they all play at Qatar, so they all stay home and play. So they have that familiarity. They know each other. They're around each other. They practice and play with each other. So they have that going for them. They just won the uh, Asian uh, Cup. I can't remember what it's called a couple years ago. They won that. So they're a really good team moving in the right direction. I mean, they're not going to win a World Cup, per se, um, but they – could surprise some people who don't follow Qatar in uh, a year's year or two time um, in that World Cup when, you know, depending on their group. If they get a, a good group, they could cause some damage. I wouldn't be surprised if they advance, just, you know, get the home field advantage, cause some problems, maybe get someone to slip up. Yeah. Um, or maybe they have one of those uh, South African moments where they knock out a team like France. Um, don't advance, but knock out a big power. Maybe they can do that. They're a tricky team that play hard. Um, so I'm interested to see what they can do as the competition goes on. Um, the next one you have is you have Mexico absolutely thrashing uh, Honduras. I didn't get to see this game because I was at the FC Dallas LA Galaxy game. Do not know much about it. Uh, looking at the stats, though, um, Mexico had 15 shots. Honduras had six. Mexico had six shots on target. Honduras had two. They had 66 possession to Honduras' 34. Basically absolutely dominated them from the jump. It was 3-0 at halftime. Honduras had no prayer. Um, I think this is good for Mexico, though. It shows that they could score. What they struggled with is they struggled with scoring in the group stage. They turned it on when it counted. Uh, and it kind of kind of submitted themselves as a as the you know um, favorite in this competition. They hadn't played great in the group stage, but they came out, destroyed Honduras, and said, "Hey, we're still Mexico. We're still the guys you got to go beat." Um, and it should be intriguing as they move on to the semifinals. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't think they looked all that good against El Salvador. They were very. They looked vulnerable, and it looked like they, they probably could have got beaten. Um, El Salvador had a great couple of chances. So, uh, I mean, if you're a Mexico fan, this is encouraging. 
having a you know putting the goals in finally and being able to stand firm in the back um, so I don't know what to make of it I didn't watch much of Honduras plays I don't really know if they're good at all or anything so um, but nonetheless 3-0 win is a good win so should be encouraging heading into the next round will there where they'll have to play Qatar yeah we'll see what happens there in Vegas no oh, in Austin or Houston Austin or Houston yeah I don't know I don't remember which is which yet I mean that Honduras team wasn't a full strength Honduras team they were missing some dudes um, the Honduras national team is just the dynamo not anymore we lost some I mean we still have all they have is Bonnie and Garcia I think still and uh I don't know, maybe that's true. But they for the last, like, five years, the Dynamo were basically just a Honduran national team. I mean, because, yeah, uh, Ellis went on to Europe. How? He's in, like, I don't remember where he's at, but he's not. He's not on the Dynamo anymore. He's a flashy player. He has pace. He's a good, decent winger. Um, I don't know who he plays for, though. Did he go to Europe? I'm pretty sure he went to Europe. Maybe he went to Mexico. I, I can't remember. I, I just know he, I know there was talks to him going to Europe, and then he left. What's his first name? Albert. Oh, I thought it was Andrew. Or Andre. Albert. He is on... He's in the... He plays as a forward in the Premier League for Club Boa Vista. Which I think might be in Portugal. Yeah, he plays in the Portuguese league. They finished 13th in the Portuguese league. So, <laughs> it's on a mid-table side on the Portuguese league. But, I mean, he's in Europe. That's impressive. But they were without him, so I think... I mean, they wouldn't have beat Mexico, but he... He, he is probably one of their best, if not their best, attacking weapon. Yeah. And he wasn't there. Um, so then we get to the games today, which I'm excited we're going to be at. We're going to be there live. I am hyped for it. We have Costa Rica and Canada at the 6 o'clock game. What is your thoughts on Costa Rica-Canada? What do you think is going to happen tonight? Um, I think Costa Rica is going to win. Um, I don't know by how much, really. Um, I guess... I think it'll be a good game, though. I think both games tonight are going to be really good. Um, I think both of these are lining up to be better games than the other two because I feel like both... I mean, I don't know. I feel like Jamaica and Costa Rica are both better second-place teams than... Well, I guess one of them was third yeah. place. But, like, I think they're both better teams than probably Qatar, Honduras, and El Salvador. Like, both of them are better. So, um, I don't know. I think both games can be really good. I think Costa Rica, Canada really could go either way. Yeah, I mean, because you have, you have Costa Rica, who's not really been playing all that great in this tournament. I know they won all three of their games, which I guess it kind of contradicts what I just said. But, I mean, they haven't been – they've been winning, but they haven't been winning confidently. Yeah. They haven't really been instilling confidence in being able to really go far in this tournament. They got the big win against Jamaica, which was good, but it wasn't really – it was a one nothing win. They got a red two – um, it wasn't all that impressive, um, but I think they have a little too much for Canada. Canada's, I mean, they don't have... If they had Alfonso Davies, it'd be different, but they don't. Also, I think they're without... I wonder if their striker's coming back. 
he went down with an injury in the U.S. game. Uh, the Lauren guy? Yeah, Lauren. Uh, Kyle. Kyle Lauren. Kyle Lauren. Uh, is he back? I don't know if he's uh, back. I haven't really seen it. If he's out, there's no chance, in my opinion. If he's able to play against Costa Rica, I'm intrigued. Because then if they have him, they have a weapon up top. He can score goals. And if he can play and go for 90 and be himself, he got he was second in the Turkish League in goals this year. Uh, the dude can put in goals. So he can cause some problems for Costa Rica. And Costa Rica has had a tendency of leaking some goals in this tournament. Uh, it's an inferior competition. I think Canada can take advantage of them, get a couple goals. So we'll see how it goes. I would say I give the Costa Rica the nod. They are the veteran squad. They've been here before. They know how to win games. Um, so I'd say they're the favorite. Um, which I, I do think is a really good sign for Canadian national football, though, because you know they have a few young guys playing. Um, Alfonso Davies obviously not playing, but to get this uh, experience in a big game in a big tournament um, will prepare them. I still don't think they really have much of a chance to qualify for the World Cup, but. Um, it could make them a little bit more competitive, at least, and not just kind of be. Well, I would say this: I think when you're on World Cup qualifying, there, there's three and a half spots right now in Concacaf, right? So you say Mexico and U.S. have to be the favorites to be top two. Uh huh. So, I mean, yeah, we saw the U.S. didn't make uh, the the last uh, qualifying, but I would say Mexico, U.S. with the talent they have, have to be the top two favorites. So that leaves six teams fighting for one and a half spots. Basically, three teams: Canada, Costa Rica, and probably or Canada, Costa so you Rica, have and like Jamaica. Panama, which Panama is not all that special. I think they're going to be the bottom feeder, right? So they then you look and you have Jamaica fighting for it, Costa Rica, Canada, Honduras. Am I missing one? Guatemala. They don't really count. No, they're not in it. Conta. Also, Canada has a 19-year-old who plays for Wolves. So I'll be really intrigued to see if he plays. Just really? He's actually pretty good. Theo Corbianu. He's a striker, so he might play if uh, what's-his-face can't play. Where is it? CONCACAF qualifiers. Who's in it to win it? So uh, Mexico, Jamaica, Panama, Croatia, uh, Costa, Costa Rica. Oh, El Salvador. I'm dumb. El Salvador is the other one. Oh yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that. So if I'm looking at that, I would say Panama not a big chance. El Salvador they play hard, but I don't say they have a really good chance. I'd say Canada is better than both those teams. So really, in all reality, you have Jamaica, Costa Rica, Canada. Um, and Honduras, and I, I would honestly, Honduras has kind of gone down in recent time. I think Canada could be better than Honduras. So if you look at it, they, they have an outside shot. I would still say Jamaica is probably my third favorite um, when they have their full team together. And then Costa Rica is my fourth. would be that half spot to have a chance. Uh, I think Canada can compete with that. So this is a big game, I think, in Canada's eyes. Because if you can go out and beat Costa Rica, set the tone before qualifying... Give yourself some confidence because that's the team you're beating. That's the team you need to beat to have a chance to go to the World Cup. So it should be interesting what they can do. I know both teams are missing some of their stars. 
But still, it should be intriguing. I give the nudge to Costa Rica with the experience. They're the most experienced team here. Um, and that would set up Costa Rica versus Mexico, which would be a good semifinal. Why did USA and Mexico not have to play in the group stage? Like, what for a World Cup qualifying? Like, why do they automatically get to go to the next? The next oh, round? why didn't they play in the second round? Yeah, because uh, they did the. They basically, I think, somewhat Costa Rica didn't either. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So they took like the th- top three or four. No, they took the top five. The top five teams in Concacaf based off the last couple results, or maybe it was the top four or whatever. Whatever it was, they took the top teams and basically said, you automatically get to this point. And then they had Canada had a fight for a spot. El Salvador had a fight for a spot in Panama. So I think the top five got in for sure. I think Costa Rica, Jamaica, U.S., Mexico, and Honduras all automatically qualified. Mm. And the other three spots were open. Interesting. Um, and they basically went off of rankings, Gold Cup, you know, Gold Cup finishes, yeah. stuff like that in recent years. So, Very strange. I mean, it makes sense. There's no real point for Mexico to go out and play the Bahamas. Um, it kind of wastes everyone's time, so it makes sense to just move teams on. They do it. They do it in a lot of competitions. I think the only one, there's only two, where uh, every team plays in the, every round, and that's uh, in Europe because they just do. They just basically group, make like twelve groups, and play, and then South America where they just have one big group. So all the other ones like Asia, Africa, they have multiple rounds where the smaller countries have to basically play their way in. Um, before the bigger countries, the more powers in that region join, which makes sense. You know, they're just very vast, and you have such different uh, talent pools. It, it makes more sense because uh, I mean, let's be honest, there are some European countries that get in there that just waste everyone's time. Yeah. Like Luxembourg getting six owed every week. It's not good. <laughs> um, and then the final game of the quarterfinals is U.S.-Jamaica, which is also tonight after the Costa Rica-Canada game. Everybody tuning in, we will be on center banner duty. So before for the national anthem for each game, we will be holding down the center banner, making sure it doesn't fly away, holding down the fort. Holding it down. Uh, you know, maybe I'll jump in and sing the national anthem. Who knows? We'll <laughs> see what happens. Uh, but... U.S. Jamaica. What are your thoughts on that one? Mm, I think the USA should win. Um, I could see it being a good. I, I think it again also will be a good game. Um, but I, I think the USA should win. Though I wouldn't really be surprised if Jamaica is able to pull it out. They've looked good so far. Leon Bailey, monster. The USA hasn't looked too great. I would say Jamaica has some better players in the U.S. I think I think a Bailey, I think a Blake in the goal, um, but I think consistently top to bottom roster. I think the U.S. has the advantage. I think Jamaica's team has some holes. Um, they can fix some of those holes with some of the guys who are on the roster, but they have some holes. They have some weaknesses, and I think the U.S. should be able to take care of those weaknesses and get the job done. We'll see. It's going to be tight. Um, I hope the U.S. don't do what they did against Canada in the last game of the group stage, which is score early and then park the bus. Uh, you can't win games consistently by parking the bus. It doesn't happen. Especially on international football, you will blow it. Um, so please don't park the bus. Please don't do it in England. Um, win the game. Just attack and win the game. You're the better team. Find a way. Get the job done. Something interesting to think about for today is that Costa Rica's goal is out with a red card. 
Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He's the I one who got too. the red card. Yeah. So they're going to have to play their backup goalie against and, Canada. Which and honestly, the weakness of Costa Rica is their defense. So. Yeah. Should be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, yeah. that's basically their third string goalie. Cause, yeah, because uh, Navas is their number one goalie. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, he's not here. He's not playing in the goal right. cup. So, I mean, they're, we'll see. They're I don't know other, who the backup is. Uh, we played Esteban Alvarado from Limon. He's 32. Oh, so it's probably decent-ish. Maybe. I don't even know who Limon is, but we'll see. They don't have one backup goalie, too, which is strange. I don't know. Who cares? Well, it should Hopefully be that guy doesn't get red card or else they won't have a goalie. Oh, they also have Patrick Sakara. He's 22, so they might play him. We'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see how that goes out. That That's actually an interesting thing. I didn't even think about it. That might change how the game plays out. We'll see if there's a big uh, goalie mistake um, tonight. You can blame him. You can blame him. <laughs> God dang it. Um... So that would be the uh, uh, quarterfinals. If Costa Rica and the U.S. both win, and then the semifinals matchups would be Mexico, Costa Rica, U.S., Qatar. Um, sucks for me because I put Qatar and U.S. winning or going to the final, uh, so that can't happen. Which oh yeah, the U.S. have Qatar and goes to oh interesting yeah so uh, and we'll see I think how I had it goes. USA Jamaica so. I think I switched it because I was like, that can't happen. Yeah, I don't know who I picked. Uh, it doesn't matter. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it should be interesting. Uh, the Gold Cup is kind of the redheaded stepchild of international tournaments. No one really cares about it, but it the good football's here. There should be some good games, hopefully, uh, and people can join. But the worst thing I think would happen is if Qatar wins it. Oh, yeah. That would look so bad. They literally pay their way to the World Cup, basically buy this tournament because they're sponsoring it with their Qatar Airlines um, and all of that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I guess other than that... I mean, I think CONCACAF has to be like the third best international tournament, right? Behind the Euro and uh, the... South American tournament, talent wise, or America, there we go. I mean, as far as like, I mean, so people watching, like, most interesting. Nobody watches the African Cup. Nobody watches the Asian Cup. I mean, if you're talking about watching, I guess yeah, because you have the U.S., so you have the broadcasting, and you have. And, the, I mean, maybe I'm just biased because I'm here and I've never ever figured out how to even watch the Asian Cup if I wanted to. But like, also, what team is there to watch from Asia? No, I'd Japan. say it's better uh, uh, Australia, but there's no like true powers. I'd say Africa would be the one that you could say that's better because there are the, you, you know you have Senegal, you have Co- Co- um, Co- Ivory Coast, Co- Ivory Coast Ghana. Uh, Ghana, Cameroon, uh, Nigeria, Egypt. So yeah, I mean, there's some right. there's some talent there, and I would say there's a lot of teams that are very very good on the African side. So it would be hard for me to say. That okay. the Concavs, but I would probably, probably say four, Africa, yeah. and then it, I'd say Concavs four, just because I think Africa's deeper, and there's a lot more good teams. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That for sure makes sense. All right, do some transfer news. Sure. All right, transfer news. We got uh, the kind of slim pickings right now, but we have Pogba, um, 
kind of been hinting at a move to PSG. What are your thoughts on that? Um, much as I hate that everybody's going to PSG, I think it would be good for Pogba. Uh, it would be good for Pogba for his career because he would be in a system that would give him the freedom to like actually do something and like not just play a role that's not his and have to cover for the lack of a six. Um, but I just, uh, I just would hate that PSG just buys whatever they want. Although by the time he gets there, I think Mbappe would be leaving because apparently Mbappe wants to go to Madrid after his contract runs out this year. So yeah, I mean that would be interesting, and I think if they get him, if they get him this, I don't think it would happen this window. Uh, maybe, maybe they get a, a play on it in January, but if they got Pogba, I mean they basically have the Champions League. Like you got to say they they win. No, it. they're already the favorites, but they're also PSG, so it's like. No, I know, but if you had Pogba, then I feel like you lose that. I, I don't know if you, you I, it's the, what they've added. You, they've added a top ten keeper in the world. Yeah, no. So the problem is PSG is like England internationally. Like they could have the best. No, team I agree. The, they but could have the best team on paper, but everybody's gonna be like, oh well, they're just gonna blow it at some point. I agree, but they. It's not like they've been the best team always. They've had a lot of talent, but I think if you add, you you had they have added a high level goalkeeper. They've added a elite defender. They've added if they add Pogba an elite midfielder. There's, there you got Wijnaldum them too. They added a great, I would say Winnaum is a not an elite, but he's a great, honestly, with this PSG where they're looking at a great like role player at yeah. this point. And then you have a lethal attack. So they, they've kind of made a perfect team ready to go and stop anyone. I, and they're starting to add winners. You have Ramos, you, um... Winnaum won the Champions Winaldum, League. Winnaum, you have Pogba with won the World Cup. You know, you just your goalie just won the Euro, so they're adding winners to get over that stigma. That's true. No, yeah, no, I can see it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll happen or not. But I also don't know if he leaves United, like where else he would go, because I feel like you know, Serie already tried. That didn't really. He was. I, mean, I guess he was really good at Juve, but he ended up leaving. You know, I don't think anybody else in the Prem would really buy him. Um, so it seems like it's. Really, either going back to Italy or going to PSG, pretty much. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I mean, there's no reason for him to stay at United. Like, it's just, just it's hurting his career to stay at United. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the next one I have is Aston Villa preparing a new $200,000, or I guess euros, a um, week, a pound, pound a week uh, contract to convince captain and star. Jack Grealish to stay in Aston Villa and snub Man City. What do you think about that? Paying that man over ten million a year. Uh, I think just let him go. Like, if you're willing to put that much money into him to keep him, like I get it. But I, I don't I mean, know. If he I leaves, think... you're getting what? They probably get at least fifty, sixty million for him. Exactly. And he's gonna leave eventually. I, and at this I feel point, like he like hurts you if you yeah. keep him. Because I don't know, like, if you're paying him that much, especially with Aston Villa that doesn't have the money bags like a lot of these teams do. Dude, there's no chance you qualify for European soccer right now anyway. Like, it's just not going to happen. Even if you have Grealish, like, it's just not going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing is you could hold out. If you can get him the salary, you hold out for another year. Maybe his value goes up a little bit more. Maybe you can ship him off to a team that's not in the Premier League. Like maybe Real gets comes in and wants to, you know, to get him. Maybe, you know, PSG or maybe Juventus. Maybe you get someone outside of England to want him and you can sell him off so it doesn't look as bad. Um, slash you don't have to play him yeah. <laughs> uh, twice a year. That's true. So but there's also a very good chance his value goes down because he's coming off the Euro where he just was outstanding. I mean, but yeah, he's playing for Aston Villa. He's going to have to, I mean, unless they're just absolutely the worst team in the league, he's going to have to produce or or if he gets hurt. There's only two options I see if uh, his value goes down because he has to do so much for that club. He's their best player. Oh, for sure. And I mean, a lot of people would look over a down year just because they'd be like, they don't have any pieces around him. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It, I I feel like it's almost just hopeless. Like, I think he's just gonna leave anyway. But I, it would make sense for them to try to stay, try to keep him there and see if he can go somewhere that's not in England. But I just mm-hmm. don't know if that's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have is Griezmann's exit. So Griezmann wants uh, is looking like he's gonna leave Barca, but he's told Barca he's not giving him basically a single penny back. Uh, he's not gonna play, make it easy. And he only would move to Atletico Madrid. So he's literally, um, I guess, strong will. Uh, basically, strangling Barcelona, strongholding them, making sure it's impossible for them to really move him anywhere. Um, and Barcelona is probably going to still do it just because they are desperate to get money off the books. Yeah. Um, I don't really. I mean, it makes sense for him. I think it makes sense for Barca. It's just tough that, like, he has that much power to be, like, I'm only going one place, and, like, you have no choice. What if they did Griezmann for Luis Suarez? <laughs> just flip it. Flip it and give him cash? Yeah. That would be absolutely hilarious. That'd be funny. I'd like that, too. I feel like Messi, Suarez, Depay, Aguera, well, I guess you could only play Suarez or Aguera. You couldn't play both of them, really. But uh, maybe you could play two up top, Messi at a cam, and then Depay. Like, I don't know. You can figure it out. But, like... I don't think it'd make a lot of sense for Barca, but it'd be it, cool. it wouldn't, and I don't think I feel like Luis Suarez probably wouldn't take it. No, especially the way he went out, he's so mad at Barcelona. Yeah, I would be pissed off too. And then he went out and won a league. I think he'd be like, "Let me go win and not try to win another one." If I can get Griezmann on my side, you have two guys who can, you know, have the ability to score twenty goals in a season. Uh, it gives that, you know, that great Atletico Madrid defense even more support up top. Yeah. Um, and it should be intriguing. You have Barca's in shambles financially. You have Madrid, Madrid who just don't have any star power anymore. Um, so it, it's interesting to see where both the, the two powers in Spain are kind of faulting back um, and falling while Atletico Madrid really has an honest, true chance to take that next step. If they could handle their business and get it done, they could put pressure and maybe put a stranglehold for a, you know, maybe a short run over Barca and yeah. Real. Like, this is the window to do it. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Atletico. And if, if there's a time, it is now. No, for sure. No, yeah, I think that would be... Because you have... Uh, Me- I mean, because also you have the fact Messi's on his way out. He's old, oh, yeah. and Messi's on his way out. He's not going to be the same player. I know they just signed a, what, a four-year deal? I think with three Messi, or four, three yeah. or four-year deal. It's so. crazy. He took half a salary. Shots to him. But, I not mean, that half of a salary is like... Not a lot of money, but still more than like most players in the world make. But he's trying to do what he can to stay there, I guess. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, next one I have is 
Spurs want uh, 150 million for Harry Kane. What are your thoughts on hearing those numbers? I mean, I don't blame him because I think what Sancho's asking price last year was like 130 or something, and then they buy. They just didn't you had to just buy Sancho for like 120 or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the price was, but his asking price last year was something ridiculous in the hundreds. Um, he's, he's not. I think, it, I think it ended up being like ninety, but then I think they had some add-on clauses. His transfer fee was uh, okay. It was the transfer fee is fixed at eighty-five million euros. So it was almost a hundred million dollars. Yeah, but they want. Harry Kane million pounds. They want 150 million euros or Euro. whatever. Yeah. Okay. So if Sancho's 85, they want. Yeah. They want 65 more, 75 more. Yeah, I don't know. More. I mean, it's I mean, pretty crazy, but I don't blame them because they obviously don't want to lose him. So I mean, like, at that money, like it's not even worth Harry Kane. I think. Oh, it's I'm, not. If I'm it's city, not. If I, if That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel not. like there's one striker in the world that's worth 150 million right now. It's Holland. And it's Holland. Yeah, I think Holland's worth it because if Holland produces at the level he produces at, you get Holland for 10 years. Oh yeah, and it's like if you spend that much money on Kane and he has a performance that like you had in the Euro, then you're getting the same Harry Maguire conversations. Like they spend this much money on a guy just to do absolutely nothing. Well. Like, I, I, I don't think it's gonna happen with Kane. Like he's been. I don't think it's gonna happen. He produces and he, he's really good in the Premier League. But, but there's such high expectations with that high of a transfer fee. Like you, he can't have a bad year. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see it done. I don't. I don't think he's going to City. I, I don't think it makes sense. I for think. Anybody. And the worst part is, I think Kane has a couple years still left on his contract, so it's not like he can get out. So he's kind of, he's yeah. kind of shoot into it. He kind of shot himself in the foot. Um, and I mean, unless he wants to sit out, which I think helps nobody. And if the Spurs aren't willing to pay, I don't think they're going to be stronghold into making a bad deal, which makes sense because if you're going to give up that level of talent, you're not going to give them away for free. Yeah. And they just had some sign an extension, so they have him for the long term. I think that you know you got the new coach. I think they're moving in the right direction. In my opinion, from going with Mourinho, which I think was a step backwards, um, kind of hurt the team. I think they're making strides. I don't think it's going to make Kane happy because I know Kane wants to win titles. God, I'm so bad too. Like I just thought, like they just seem to be on the downfall. Like they don't seem to be doing anything positive really, and they've already not been great. Aside from their Champions League like appearance, like yeah, I, I think getting rid of Pochettino was one of the worst decisions in sports. Oh yeah. Because it, it makes no sense. I know they got to a slow, a slow start, and you want to make a move, but it's like... They didn't get any better after that. They didn't get any better. You got Mourinho, who's even more... Eh. And, like, Pochettino got you to a Champions League final. He got you on the doorstep. Things went wrong for a year. You got that, like, Champions League, I'll call it Champions League hangover. You had a really good run. You, you know, the guys were probably a little tired, fatigued when you go on those long tournaments, you know. And you just scrapped them. And now the funny thing is, I'm probably next year Pacino's going to win the title with PSG, Champions League title with PSG, and you're going to look like a bunch of idiots. Where did he come from before he was at PSG? Was he at Southampton? Was he at Southampton? After, after Tottenham, he went to. Oh, I thought it was no. Tottenham. Oh no, Tottenham and then PSG. Oh, he went straight from Tottenham to PSG. Yeah, he took some time off. Oh, okay. 
I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, yeah, that's right. I think he went to Southampton before Tottenham. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, no, I I totally agree. I just don't think I don't see anything that they could really do. Like they haven't done anything this transfer window. They're basically just trying to hold on to Kane. Is like they're if they hold on to Kane, they win. Like in their books, it seems like yeah. they don't really seem to be doing anything else. And I don't know. I just don't see much of a future for them. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't much. really see how the Spurs do anything. I don't really think they have the financial money to. I don't think they have the money to do anything really right now, and they're kind of in a situation where it's like, what can you do? You know, you're like yeah. holding on to your best player. You, you don't really want to make anything. I don't really see anything. Um, yeah. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I, I really don't. Huh. I'll do wild transfer to guitar. Yeah. Christian Ramir- uh, Ramiro agrees to personal terms with Tottenham. Is that the guy from Atlanta? Oh, yeah. No, that's the no. I don't know who that is. I don't know which team is he from. Yeah, it's Atlanta. Oh, okay. They both went to Atlanta. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's good, but he's not gonna. He's not big enough to counter what City's doing and what Arsenal's doing and what United's doing. And does it Martial to Tottenham? I don't. It's just rumors. No. I think that'd be a good fit for me. I mean, if they get Martial, yeah, good, great, and helps helps Kane out. But like, I just don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, no, I don't think that's moves the needle. I just think it's. I think, I just think it's a small step forward. Um, but for oh, Tottenham, something, I guess yeah. So, yeah. For Tottenham, it's like, can we just get a small step forward? Yeah. Because we've been kind of falling back, like Arsenal, <laughs> these last oh, couple yeah. years. Um, I guess now lock of the week. Well, one more we didn't talk about is Giroud going to AC Milan. I thought we talked about it like a couple weeks ago. Oh, maybe we did. I guess we mentioned it. I, I guess now it's official. Yeah. Giroud, J.C. Milan to... Yeah, because we did talk about because I remember we we talked about him and Ibra, like the old man's club. Dominating headers. Yeah, dominating. Just not going to lose a header ever. Yeah, and then the Ben White transfers completed. Which I think Arsenal, Arsenal paid needs. a ton of money, but they needed it. They, yeah, they need help in the back line. Arsenal's freaking terrible back there. I don't think it helps, but whatever. I do know one thing, though... Um, Arsenal does not have European football unless Sam does. <laughs> so, I'll hold that over their head this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, lock of the week. What's your lock of the week? Um, one of the games tonight is going to go to extra time. All right. My lock of the week is that the U.S. will win by two goals tonight. Interesting. That's my lock of the week. I'm feeling confident. All right, other than that, that is all we have. It's a good show. Hopefully you enjoyed, and we will see you guys next time.